I think even before that, um, my mom was shout out mom. Um, she was shout out uh, all moms. Shout out to all moms, but especially in this particular context, my mom. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend typically uh, is Aaron. This episode is uh, my interview with Josh from Dogwood. So Aaron's not here. So make sure you go say hey on social media. You can follow us at Growing Punk Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. So uh, go 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 have go have fun hanging out online with us. I suppose join our Discord as well. You can find that at our website. You can find that through our Growing Punk Pod instagrams and twitters you know how you know how it works that's how the internet works right anyway uh as i mentioned this is my interview with josh from dogwood now josh has been on the show in the past you can find that episode on any of your favorite podcast apps you'll have to scroll back quite a ways because he was actually on the show uh prior to it changing you know us changing the name to growing up punk it was uh, a show from our past but i did re-upload that episode you can go listen to it aaron chatted with him going through basically the history the entire history of dogwood but on this episode uh, i got him to share his five favorite dogwood songs and you know kind of the stories and the memories and the reasons behind those picks so that's all coming up but yeah before we hop into that again go follow us at growing punk pod on twitter on instagram wherever you're listening to this rate it review share it with your friends do all that great stuff join us on discord where we talk about music new music all sorts of stuff anyways let's get into the interview it's me and josh from dogwood talking about his five favorite dogwood songs my faith in you will never die guy on my wall who's been on the show so that's that's dan from the promise ring nice um actually this guy technically i don't know by the time this comes out if he'll have been on the show or not but Mm -hmm. that's uh matt good who is in northcote but also used to sing in the band means which aaron was in Um, right right i know label mates yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's episodes recorded. I just it depends on the release schedule if those will have come out by now. So if they're already out, go listen to them. If not, you can look For sure. forward to that. But um, okay, yeah, it's the old uh, the old wall talk. The old wall. The old I love wall. it. This is probably my favorite band on the wall. Can you can you see who it is? R A T M. Yeah, good eye. Yeah, good eye. And minor threat. Oops, right. banging the microphone. You That's might fine. know these guys. 
I, I totally do. Yeah. Shout out Ethan and yep. Pegleg. I'll say Ethan's um, been on the show in the past. Oh, really? Yeah. I gotta, he, yeah. It's hard to like, sometimes I feel like I miss shows sometimes. Um, I know you said you're kind of bad at listening, but like yeah. I subscribe to like a lot of shows, but I feel like I miss a week or two and I can't catch up. Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I have so many to listen to. Oh, hundred percent. And like, I, I subscribe to a lot of shows too. I just kind of like, I'll pick and choose when I listen sometimes, you know, like obviously if I got a road trip or whatever, totally. uh, yeah. Listen to more podcasts. Um, well, I have the luxury of driving. Like I have a long, longer drive to work, nice. I guess like yeah, a yeah. commute. So I have time to listen to everyone. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, there's only so much, so many hours that, in it. Totally. You know? Yeah. So, and like my, my commute's like 15 minutes. So it's like, just long enough to like get into something and then be like, Oh, I'm at work now. <laughs> so we're going to turn this yeah, off. Yeah. But, um, I'll have to look for Ethan's episode. Yeah. It's, you'd have to dig way back. I don't know when that was, but Aaron had him on. They talked about, I mean, basically like everything that that dude has done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, stop. Yeah. They talked the dingies, the supertones, or I guess the supertones and the dingies, whatever order that was for him. Um, like talk demon hunter, reliant K like a bunch of stuff. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah but yeah we're we're not going to talk about any of that we're going to talk about your band oh okay you're still okay. a band right <laughs> like did the, did the I, pandemic shut you down or <laughs> well as far i well let's let, taking it back a couple like at least a few years yeah we um dogwood as a band uh i i wouldn't say it was it was a reunion or a farewell or whatever it's call it what you want we hadn't played together in like so long so we played with mxpx and five iron yeah in San Diego and Ventura. And then I did another show that was, I tried to involve all the members of Dogwood who have ever been in it, like on right. this couple shows. Um, I called it the Dogwood party program <laughs> and an homage to refused, but also we had a lot of members that were touring with us and over the years member changes. Right. So I had them come on stage and just do the different songs that they were a part of or different records they were a part of. Yeah. And, um, and then we didn't, we haven't played since then. And I have just been doing music under the name St. Didicus. Yeah. So releasing songs with different, you know, people, musicians who want to do just collabs and stuff. So I have a couple songs out and we're doing some new songs, but I've never really stopped making music on my yeah. own. But as far as with, with the, the dogwood lineup of the, of yesteryear, um, I don't, I would say it's maybe laid to rest or, you know, who knows, we might put out like re-releases of records, but we won't probably do, we won't do new music as dogwood. Mm, right. Yeah. So uh, how about real quickly on St. Didicus though, do you have a plan for like an album or anything? Cause it's all, has it all been mainly singles to this point? Yeah. I mean, especially this day and age, like I've, I've talked to some friends who own record labels, like singles is almost the, the new way, unless you're going to press like a, you know, a thousand vinyls or something like that right. or yeah. more. Uh, yeah, yeah. And you have, cause like touring stopped for, you know, a good year and a half for everybody. Yeah. And then, so it was like, if you could make vinyl and sell it yes but like so the plan with that with St. Didicus in general is we want to get some good songs done and and recorded at least to have like because we've been talking to different labels and stuff but um mm. what what's what is the plan to do with the music is like they would just sell it on because it's a good album or good songs um or just the names of the people who are on the songs like because right. it's not because it's not me it's a bunch of people like from different bands so it's like they they're interested in like that kind of stuff we're on compilation and stuff like that but yeah yeah and right now the plan i guess is three to five new songs and then if we take maybe the old the ones that are out and maybe like 
a cover that's enough for a full length you know or, yeah yeah, but, yeah i mean people are releasing eps like crazy sure um, yeah yeah and that's and you can release a 12 inch vinyl as an ep and yeah that's the that's the day and age we're in now but yeah um i guess the plan is just i would love to just finish a couple more songs i still have a couple things to say about things and, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah as as we'll, as we'll talk about in the episode is like i was kind of just question everything and yeah put my own spin on put my own spin on shit and you know yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. that's fair i don't know yeah, yeah. so the, i guess the plan with saint didic is is it's not it's not dogwood 2.0 it's more like you know a mature collaboration between a bunch of different musicians from different genres and bands and that's stuff cool. like that so yeah, yeah. i got some funny fun surprises and stuff but that's yeah. fun yeah. Um, so I know that you enjoy collecting vinyl. Uh, I think that's one of the things we've kind of like messaged back and forth a bit on, on Instagram, but is there any, like, does, did Dogwood release anything on vinyl? Do you have any records of your own? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. Oh, is that, is that a, a hint or a spoiler of sorts? Not necessarily. Or just a dream. Um, no, no, no. People have asked us since, mm. since the beginning to, to the beginning of know, time. Not necessarily. I mean, Tooth and Nail probably would have been the first label to have approached it because when we joined Tooth and Nail, they were just either ending the vinyl production right, yeah, yeah. or something like that. Because I have all the Tooth and Nail stuff they had in, back in the day on vinyl, yeah. uh, whatever they had, basically. Yeah. Um, and and then they stopped, and then of course they had a resurgence, and now there's more interest in maybe our, our back catalog, or remixing, mm-hmm. mastering, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I just haven't said yes to a lot of to that kind of stuff because for one thing i want to get consensus from everyone who's in, on yeah, involved yeah. with the records yeah. uh, or it's like do i need do i do i really want to you know resurface a rec- it's because it's kind of like an archive it's kind of like we mm-hmm. did our thing and we passed yeah. the torch to a new generation of bands and it's like yeah. i don't know do is it not is it worth it but like is it necessary it'd be cool to have maybe yeah, yeah. Yeah. for me but yeah. i can't just make one vinyl I have to make oh, x amount you know what i mean you can like, make two i'll take one just make two okay yeah i'll make <laughs> i'll call the label and say, so yeah. it's like there's been label interest there's been other labels wanting to do it there's been you know i don't know it's it's kind of i guess a small bit flattering when people ask if they want to release it but, but yeah. i'm like i don't know let me think about it and then i just think about it too long for sure <laughs> i mean I, I would snap up a couple of those because like um I don't actually. Well, now's the time. Now's exactly. The time, I and I don't physically own any more of your albums. They're, I've, I've shared a story on uh, the podcast in the past, probably a few times now, about how when I was like, uh, I was probably 19, maybe 18. Anyways, I was living with roommates. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I just moved out and we decided one day we wanted to buy a pool table. And so we collectively we owned like a ton of cds and at this time you could still get money for cds so we like yeah pooled a bunch together and went and sold them and then bought a used pool table but all this all the cds that i sold were like all of my like pop punk punk cds i was like ah because i was just in this phase where like no man like i'm into you know post hardcore and heavier stuff now like i'm leaving that and so i i've regretted it so much and like over the years i've kind of been working at getting a lot of those cds back just like through thrifting and whatever sure but you know for what i haven't seen any dogwood thrift so that just means the people who bought it they held on to it for dear life either way or yeah it's either not around at all or um they don't get rid of it or it is there and somebody buys it for a dollar one you know yeah exactly so i've I've found some surprising ones where i'm like dang like mxpx teenage politics 
like what i found that at a thrift store cool cool like you know like just some of those where i'm like i w- wouldn't expect you know you're expecting to find like green day and blink 182 and like those things but then you find some of the you know more uh lesser i mean not that mxpx was lesser known but you know some of those smaller records it's somebody there. it's somebody like yourself who had a moment of yep. <laughs> I, I need i want to make ten dollars right now so i'm going to sell yep. my cds exactly. um I, I mean i've i did that a couple times too i got i got rid of my collection i'm like oh my gosh why did i do that yeah i just got rid of like i'm never going to get that record back yeah like yep. there's a couple of records in my that i i mean cds even there's a couple of albums that i have on cd that i'm not going to get back yeah um That's- it's true. so stupid Such so a dumb stupid bastard. man so stupid like why um why do we do that and, and then people if people offer to buy stuff from from my vinyl collection of my not dogwood but other vinyls yeah. i'm like do i really want to sell the record that i worked so hard to get yeah um i mean Good i have man. some gems and i'm like no i think i want to i think i want my own i think i want my collection you know yeah like uh, is that people to... approaching you on like discog sort of thing yeah, I have my discogs, yeah. and I have, I have a, I mean, just people like on Instagram. If I post, if I post something like, "Ooh, how much for them?" Like, I didn't say I was selling it. Yeah, yeah. You know, That's, but I've, you know, I mean, every once in a while, every once in a while, I will. If I have maybe if I have two copies, or sure. but I, I also don't buy, I don't buy two copies of things to sell. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm same not, way. I'm, I don't yeah. flip. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I just buy stuff that I like, and I'm not trying to replicate my CD collection either. Yeah. Do you like? So, when it comes to vinyl though do you are you a variant guy or you just like get one one pressing of this record and you're good um or oh yeah so i don't have i don't have any doubles yeah yeah no i'm the same way i've 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 had over the course of collecting records i've had two doubles that i just ended up getting through like buying someone else's collection yeah or whatever and so it was uh the first ramones record was one of them and then uh what was it like a repressing and then pedro the lion control like mm-hmm. both of those I ended up having doubles of so i like just immediately sold them i was like i could get something else with this now like that's great no uh, i found i found a collection of my own like i had an extra box or something from when my wife and i got married yeah we kept something at like her dad's house and he he said hey are these your records and it was it was like like i said earlier it's like every i had every vinyl that tooth and nail released originally yeah yeah so i had i had a couple of doubles and i was like oh cool um so those ones i was willing to barter or trade or sell right. yeah. because i had that and i wasn't trying to necessarily collect. i mean there's some really good ones but yeah you know if somebody really wants it i'm not going to say no oh, how much you got you know i'm not like right. that yeah, I'll, yeah. I'm down. I'm always down. If you're listening, I'm down for a good barter or trade. If it's something I'm interested in, but yeah. I, you know, or if it's a friend thing or whatever, but like, I don't know, I'm not going to get rid of a gem just to make a buck. Yeah, totally. I've, I've got a few that I've had people contact and I'm like, eh, I probably could part with it. Like I've got, um, a couple under oath records that I've like once every couple months, I don't have them listed for sale on discogs, but they'll just, obviously go through people's collections who have them and message them there's a few times there's like one one time where i was like humming and hawing and then i was like i just i'm also too lazy to go figure out shipping this thing you know <laughs> and like i'm like ah i just won't so I, I still have them but uh yeah yeah um but let's get into let's get into talking about dogwood now i i'm sure okay. this this would have been covered when you because this is your second time on the show um and I'm sure this would have been a lot of this may have been covered way back a couple of years ago, whenever that was that you're on, but how, uh, let's talk briefly real quick about just how the band kind of initially got together where like the band when, got together. Okay. Yeah. 
So we're going to well, talk about your five favorite songs, but I thought let's, <laughs> let's, let's start, you know, briefly at the beginning because we're going to jump forward a little bit. But yeah, because um, you could like, yeah, I mean, some of the some of my favorite songs never made it to recording, honestly, right. like yeah. some of those like because we were we were just dumb little high schoolers, honestly, like um, yeah, yeah. starting the band. I mean, not a not not a record deal from high school, but like when we started, we were in high school. So mm. um, just, you know. I don't know. It was okay. Just real quick, real quick. It was, it was like mid nineties and punk was having, punk was starting its thing. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't, nobody kill me. For saying this, but like <laughs> punk, I know what you mean. Punk yeah. in my punk in my ears was, was starting its yeah. life. Yeah. Um, I, there was obviously bands before us and um, there was obviously bands doing well in the mid nineties. And so I was, I started listening to that music and seeing those bands and on videos and stuff like that. And I'm in San Diego. So Southern California is the surf skate and snowboarding scene. And I was, I was a big part of that. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounded <laughs> weird. I was not a big part. I, I was into that scene. Into I was, yeah, into, yeah. I was totally into that. I was big into that. That's what I meant to say. And, um, I got some snowboarding videos and all the music was punk. It was, fat records bands and epitaph and, and other independent labels and and even and some a bunch of san diego bands i had never heard of because i was not privy to going to concerts and doing all that yeah. stuff in my high school career i was more interested in girls and sports and you know um youth group and living living high school life and uh once i discovered the music though i was it changed my life and and then i was I'm going to all the shows and being crazy and you know um josh from the beautiful mistake uh was a guy who started dogwood and he said and he was friends with our other, the other guys in the band he said hey we need a singer josh you're crazy you should do it you know mm. like <laughs> i said uh i got no experience no right. no resume to speak of and <laughs> okay i'm in so that's all that's all you need that was the start that was <laughs> yeah. the start and the music sucked and the singing sucked and um we just went from there and we didn't really in my opinion, I mean, we were we were fun and we had some punk rock talent, but we didn't really start getting serious or good until maybe middle of our career, maybe you know, right. something like that. Because we were always, I'm super goofy, I'm crazy on stage. I was not definitely not a, the best singer or good or even a good singer for a while. And right. I can admit that, and I know that. And and I was and you can use this as a sound clip right here. I know for certain that Dogwood was not for everybody. Um, right. Yeah. We were not. We were not. At least I'm saying from the beginning and, and maybe even for the whole time, we were not, uh, I don't know. People often wanted us to be something else. Like, you don't sound like, for example, you don't sound like MXPX. You right. don't sound like yeah. Pennywise. You don't sound like better. This is like, there's always somebody who wants you to sound like something else. And I think, at least in my ears, in the punk rock world, and I never really wanted to do that. I just wanted to have all the energy of somebody like, you know, somebody in, in, in the snowboarding videos that I was seeing, I wanted to mm. be on those videos. I wanted to be the soundtrack for that sport. Yeah. And so that was my main goal. It's, it's funny that you bring up, you're saying like, you don't sound like Pennywise. Cause there was something I want to say maybe was, it was either seismic or Matt Aragon that I was listening to earlier today. And I was like, Oh, there's something like vocally. So it's <laughs> twice as funny. That reminds me of Pennywise. I feel like it might've been like some background vocal stuff or something yes, but we did it <laughs> yeah but that's, that's just it's just funny that you bring that up um i guess i should have asked the question before that you you sort of alluded to it a little bit but do you remember like the first 
punk band or hardcore band or album or whatever it was that kind of got you into it or like so or was it even yeah. kind of like a, a skate snowboard video and there was a band that stood out i think even before that um my mom was shout out mom um she was shout uh, out all moms shout out to all moms but especially in this particular context my mom is was a rock and roll legend in around here um right queen she used to be hang out with bands like at, at all their concerts when i was a wee lad uh, mm-hmm. really young um all kinds of parties i mean this was like pre this is before we started going to church um we used to go to shows house shows concerts you know motorcycle gang parties and all this kind of stuff um yeah. around san diego county and um I don't know if people know this, but like, you know, without saying any names, the the one of the more well-known motorcycle gangs used to throw huge parties and concerts in, in, in you know, mansions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And my mom would take me as a little kid <laughs> for, for better or worse, whatever that whatever yeah. it entailed. Um, so I saw a lot of stuff, but I saw a lot of cool music and concerts and stuff like that. And then we would get backstage at the sports San Diego Sports Arena, which is the venue here and yeah. saw stuff like, you know, any any rock band that came through, we were backstage, yeah. and I was with my mom as a, and she was a young mom, a teen mom, and um, and so that was my my upbringing. So growing up punk, you're talking to the right, yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that this that actually happened to this. Not necessarily, she, it I, it wasn't punk rock shows, but it was like we were we were it was in my it was in my world. Yeah. So and then punk and hardcore. Um, as she as my mom got into, you know, um the the jesus movement the hippie revival of that whole thing um she she started going to this we went we moved from being roman catholic mexicans to getting you know she got remarried and and the her husband my stepfather took us started taking us to calvary chapel which you know which is like a hippie revival music mm-hmm. church scene down in in southern california you know yeah. a lot of southern california kind of tooth and nail bands would talk we'll talk we'll know what Cal- calvary chapel means right, right. Yeah. because that was the big music group music movement of the church revival around here um so whatever that means for better or worse right she she we started going there and then you know it's it was good for me it was good to keep me out of gangs and drugs and trouble and our the church in particular um a lot of people that were non-church people um from all walks of life would go to here because there was a lot of musicians there Mm -hmm. hanging out doing concerts putting on shows promoting everything was kind of revolved in and out of this church because it was a venue and they would put on shows. So they brought, you know, they would put church uh, music with non-church. Like they were, they were kind of ahead of their time as far as doing kind of what Furnace Fest is doing now for, right. to a lesser degree, to a much lesser degree. Yeah. But, but as far as putting say a church band with a non, you know, right. a band who yep. would never, a band who would never go to church or play at a church. So they, but they would put on the shows. Yeah. So props to them. That's awesome. And that's where I, I got my love for that, for putting that kind of putting those people together, really yeah. putting putting people in situations where they wouldn't normally be. Yeah. <laughs> and that kind of set that that kind of set the tone for the way I felt about Dogwood and the music scene in general uh, uh, of, uh, through the course of my career. So but back to the first part of it was so like late in my high school career, they would the church would bring in bands like like metal bands because uh and hardcore bands like uh when i one one big one i remember was like the crucified and um there's a couple other bands but i was like oh wow this is really cool they sound like they sound at the time when i was watching them they sounded like a mix of minor threat and metallica 
right put together he was not necessarily his singing his singing was i can't really describe his singing but um the music itself if you listen to the, the crucified music it was like okay that sounds like metallica whoa that sounds like minor threat and they put them together <laughs> and i was like oh my gosh i'm so in for, i'm so ready to receive yeah, yeah, all this yeah. <laughs> this this energy and so that kind of set me on the course then i went out and um this was cassette tapes and then cds were starting starting in my life so i got i bought you know offspring and green day at, um before they right but right was i mean these were the records where they blew up but that's the those are the records i bought um and then i totally got into that and then i was like oh wow these bands are getting really big mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> at that so that was my that was my first step into it right that's awesome so yeah. um we're gonna get into your songs but we kind of realistic like the first song you picked we kind of leapfrog a couple records because you guys you had a few albums out before signing to tooth and nail yeah um so i guess let's just get into the music let's get into the songs and <laughs> if sure because I, I, I think aaron probably covered a lot of that back on uh on that first oh yeah because i think he like i don't to really go totally remember but we talked about yeah i mean i think his talk was mainly about uh about the tooth and nail records so yeah oh maybe okay so then briefly how did how did you know putting those records together how old were you at the time for those first couple of pre-tooth and nail records oh um i would say i would say 18 years old to maybe 20 21 years old okay. i don't know before tooth and nail and were you um, like were you touring a bunch off those or was it all mainly kind of Southern California stuff? Mainly Southern California. We did a couple road trips out, you know, out to uh, music festivals and stuff like, like Cornerstone and mm-hmm. whatever else on the way back. And so nothing too crazy. Um, a lot of West coast with POD. Right. Um, those were our homies right here in San Diego yeah. and known as and victim um, and IV. So that's how we got involved with, um, with FaceTime records because yeah. Jason was their drummer. So that was the, we had all those connections just from being right here in town and um, nothing where we were like, we definitely weren't headlining and we definitely, mm-hmm. but we were, we would open quote unquote, we would just go on tour with whoever, you know, in that time. And then I, I don't know, somehow we caught the eyes and ears of Dan's on tooth and nail from playing with them. Cause yeah. you know, similar sound. Oh, you're punk. Oh, you're punk. It wasn't, yeah. there wasn't so many, there wasn't so many divisions or sub genres of punk at the time. It was right. just, it was just punk rock and you know okay now then that started later on like you know as we started as we started changing and, and slowing down there was more division and subgenres. <laughs> right but at the time it was like punk 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 yeah you know? as an aside was it weird seeing or crazy seeing pod blow up a few years later like oh yeah of course they did. I mean, like <laughs> it was awesome like well deserved and yeah. um they they were kind of always on their way yeah, uh, getting they're always getting bigger and bigger. Like, you know, they were just they had the energy, they had the, the crew. I mean, they came from one of the biggest cities in San Diego County, so they always had all the uh, everyone was everyone was always at the shows, and yeah. you know, obviously the, the the sound. Yeah, they were um, they were fit for the time. <laughs> totally, <laughs> like for what was totally. coming? Like, yeah, that's cool. So, how did you guys? Uh, let's let's get into that the first song that we're going to talk about. Uh, which is my best year. Days are getting so much longer. I feel I'm getting stronger. I feel 
track six yeah. off More Than Conquerors, which was released uh-huh. in 1999, or at least that's what the internet tells me. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, so, I don't totally remember, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so real quick, this this CD, this must I'm trying, I was trying to remember back to when, when I would have first heard about you guys. And so I want to say it was this album because I, uh, there was a, there was a Bible college in the town that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had met this guy, like I was, I mean, 99. So, and if I would have seen you, I'm, I'm assuming the tour I saw you on was this album was the newest one that was out. It must've and, been. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think he like, he was, he was a college student needing some money. And so he sold, he was selling off some of his CDs. It's a familiar story. Interesting. So, yeah. I got this one off of him. And then, uh, I don't remember the name of it. Maybe it was just self-titled, but the officer negative record. Do you remember them? I officer do. Negative. I love them. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. those guys. And, uh, so anyway, I had this, he, he had like the CD book and the CD, but he didn't have a jewel case. Cause it was at the time where everything was like in, you know, a CD binder or whatever. So I case logic. Yeah. So I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I never had, I never had like the, you know, the back panel or anything to this, but I remember mm. getting this album and like listening to it nonstop. It's still one of my, you know, like whenever, you know, you have those handful of records that you kind of go back to and maybe it's more than a handful, but this is uh-huh. one where I will find myself, willingly kind of going back not because i'm like trying to you know like get ready for an episode or do this or that but just every now and then be like i want to listen to dogwood and then so this one comes on uh um, hey thanks yeah there i don't i don't know what like it's just it's always stuck with me um <laughs> i think i just like how fast it is like that's probably what it boils down to and you know this at, song no that well this album in general um this song in particular what is it that uh that makes it stand out as one of one of your favorites Okay, so I guess I guess favorites, you know, I was saying it was hard when you approached me when you said, hey, let's pick five of your favorite songs. I was like, oh, man, because or is it, you know, sometimes is it five of the first things that pop into your head? Because that's that's right. a little that could be a little bit different. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like um, um, my best year in particular. Well, just a little history on the record itself. Mm-hmm. Um the tooth and nail release, you know, it was kind of, it was, a, it was a fun, there's not enough to say about the record itself. Cause we, we had done this song for a split EP right before. Um, and it, so it sounded a tiny bit different on the split EP with um, one of our friends bands in Southern California um, on a different label. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided to keep it right. We kept the song. We're like, let's do it. Let's do it a little bit like that. Like play an homage to the, to that EP. And then, um, do it bigger because uh we went into the studio where um the studio is now a documentary you know sound city it's yeah. a Foo fighters documentary right dave Grohl. Yeah. he bought the board that we used for this record and it was yeah. and nick nick rescue linux that's why he huge, bought it <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like dude well actually funny story about dave Grohl. um he him and nick rescue linux were homies and we didn't know that at the time when we booked you know, when we got Nick or whatever, I was yeah. talking to Sean about this when he was on my show and um, he, he D- Nick was calling Dave for like, you know, sound advice and stuff like that. Cause we were like one of his, either his first or his second album that he uh, was, was the right. producer. Yeah. Cause he, he was working at that studio for a long time, but now he was like producing the albums. Like, you know, he was the guy. Yeah. So he called, he was calling Dave Grohl every night 
and showing him <laughs> tracks. And Dave was like, whoa, you know, like, so he, Dave, Dave goes, who's that drummer? He kicks ass. That's so you know, funny. Like he said that about Russ, our drummer. Yeah. You know, we were like, yes, you did it, Russell. You he know? does kick ass. <laughs> well, yeah, he does. But we, we, we didn't hear, it wasn't like on speaker or anything, but Nick told us right. the next day. Yeah, Nick yeah. Told, he said, I, sh- I don't, I forget what song he showed him, but like, it might've been this one because, um, so that's a little little bit of backstory on the studio itself is like a famous famous mm. LA studio in Van Nuys, California, uh, Sound City, and this the Neve board and this famous room, all these rooms, all these bands have this platinum records everywhere in the studio. We're like, oh my gosh, I want to steal that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe, maybe we did, maybe, maybe we didn't. Um, but anyways, it was a good experience. And then I just remember um, if you listen to. The, the three albums that came and you know however many music came out before this record but you can hear my voice change yeah um from being a 17 and 18 year old to like doing the independent record where we you know i was trying to be very hardcore and then nick produces me you know that's the job of, of a producer everyone is to like help the band not necessarily just sound the way they are but like achieve their their best if, if that's yeah. the job i feel that's the job of a producer and nick really pulled that out of me on that record um uh sean wrote the song and okay, and yeah. it was just kind of it was a, it's a total like it's like a groovy song it's a groove yeah. like a metal like little like you know 70s metal lick you know you know that kind of stuff and uh <laughs> wait one more I time just, <laughs> and jason the bass player he's like he's like going off on his own like kind of, he's playing with sean but it's like his own thing and um, they just it was just a really good uh a rhythm section in general right there on is particularly on this song. And I think I picked it because um it's it's a fun song and it was kind of a tongue in cheek like dig at somebody, but it's also like um like I said, that groove. And so we're not it wasn't always we weren't always like this like double time skate punk band. You know? Right. Yeah. We had our moments of of of, of we could we could let the the music breathe a little bit. Yeah. And um and then and then my singing on this one, um I still got to I don't know what Nick did, but he, I could, I could scream, but it still sounded like I was kind of singing. And he like, he kind of taught me how to do that a little bit by the way he was saying, Nope, do it again. Or, right. you know, we're going to try this again, or you're going to take, we're going to do three takes and, you know, we're going to pick the best one or whatever. So it's like, you know, I was, I was trying to like appease the gods of sound city, you know, like, right. Um, in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if you listen to the song, it's, it just, it starts off with this, you know, ticket, 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 that's a, yeah. That my, what I'm doing right now doesn't do it any justice, but, um, but, but when you, once you get through aside from, aside from myself, I mean, maybe, maybe even myself, but like everyone in that, in the band on this song in particular does, um, almost like peak performance dogwood rate on this song, on this song in particular, it's just like, it's just such a groove. It's such a talented groove. I think it's like Russell's in the pocket and Jason's, you know, grooving on the bass. Right. And then, yeah, it was just one of. Sean actually and Sean had written this song way prior to to this record too so it's kind of like we had we had um perfected practicing this record while we were touring in Hawaii yeah in a somebody's studio out there um, it's it's interesting that you bring up the whole like screaming but also kind of like you're singing notes and a melody because that was for myself that was one of the things that kind of really drew me to the band and like I mean so so the the records that came before this I didn't really hear them until years later right mm-hmm. and so and mm-hmm. kind of hearing that 
you know, I wouldn't say you completely abandoned that earlier sound by any means. It's it's definitely more of like a, right. a polishing of that sound, I guess. And whether mm-hmm. that's down to the producer, that like that's pretty cool. But uh, you were recently on. I can't remember if we were talking about it on here or if it was just in between or whatever, but you're recently on an episode of Talking Records and you were talking about Good Riddance. Oh, yeah. And um, I think it was like on one of the posts that 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 Ted, or Ted, Jed from Talking Jed. Records. Jed and Ted. Ted <laughs> is Jed's. Ted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jed had posted about the episode. I think um, I had made a comment about how when people would ask me, like if I was describing Dogwood, I oftentimes like the closest kind of comparison that i would often come up with even though like you oh, don't yeah. sound like yeah. the same band by any means but was was good riddance and a lot of that was because of that vocal styling that i think you kind of share yeah. a similar yeah. style to russ right mm-hmm. like to russ Rankin. i tried i think yeah. i was trying yeah and, and i mean and it, but you pulled it off in your own way right like without just sounding like oh this is you know just these guys are trying to sound like good riddance and and may, maybe that's all of you combined or maybe that's just based entirely on the band itself like on on the guys in the band that we're like, well, but we, we're doing our own thing. <laughs> Josh is like, I just want to be good riddance. Well, we're going to do our own thing. But Well, we um, did. I mean, we we definitely all, as a band, appreciated love and loved and still do. Like, we love good riddance. Yeah, and yeah. I, we, I mean, we covered their songs a couple of times, different nice. songs on yeah. different shows. So, like, you know, they're, they're definitely uh, a big part of Dogwood's career. Yeah. 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 Um, I, uh, th- this album, I think one thing that I love about this album in general, about Building a Better Me or sorry, more than conquerors because we could get into building a better me, but more than conquerors Uh-oh. is <laughs> is like the bounciness that some of the songs have. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if you necessarily came, if you did kind of come back to that on later records, it didn't quite feel the same way as these. If that makes sense, like when I think about the song "Feel the Burn," for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. just got this certain bounce to it that, like, when I think about this record, that's kind of what I think about. And then the faster songs and. Um, it's a, it's all sorts of fun, but let's, yeah, uh, yeah let's. We get always into- have one. We always have at least one or two like breathing songs on each record. Yeah. Like yeah. feel the burn and control are on more than conquerors. Yeah, you know, uh, gonna, this is was like, you know, say, let's talk about one of those breathing songs. Maybe let's move on sure. to building a better me. Uh, let's go and let's talk about the song comes crashing. Tired to talk to care before the bus through this again. On its 
Four from Building a Better Me released. This is what I say: the internet tells me released in the year two thousand. So you guys are <laughs> banging out records every year at this point. It seems but- we literally were. We we did too many. So in in some to some degree, it was too too many too fast. Instead right. of instead of touring on them for a year and a half like most bands would, we just yeah. kept pumping <laughs> them out. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Right. This is actually my favorite Dogwood song, and it has been for I mean hmm. probably since I first heard it. Um, and I know you you kind of described it as, you know, like, it's, you know, I think, again, I can't remember if we'd hit record yet, but you were talking about it. I'm trying to think how you described it as, like, maybe not being a banger, or it's a little bit slower anyway, right? Like, you're not going full board, but I all, honestly, I think this, like, this song musically hits so hard. Like, those shots mm-hmm. that happen in, I guess, the bridge or whatever, where it kind of quiets down, just the ba-dam, ba-dam, yeah, bam. yeah like every time i hear that and then back into that kind of like melodic mm-hmm. um like opening riff it it gets me pumped up every time and <laughs> Thanks. I, I can remember taking this song to i was in guitar lessons at the time to my guitar teacher and i was like i want to learn this song and, <laughs> and, he, and he put it on and he was like i'm not sure what tuning this song is in and what that guitar player is doing so i never got to learn it so i was like it out somehow outsmarted outsmarted my guitar teacher but so i don't know what that says about my guitar job, teacher sean. yeah or if sean I, just wrote like something that was complicated i'm sure it was in some <laughs> random tuning uh i can i can find out for you i can yeah, find out <laughs> um no to, to speak directly to this song i i would never take anything away from this song um like I think I was mentioning that sometimes on tour, um, we would play it a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, sometimes on tour, if we played it, if we played at the same speed as the record, it was a little, it could have been, it was a little bit draggy live maybe. Right. But I hear what you're saying with the energy of the music, like, it was like yeah. very, I'm not, I'm, what I meant to say is I'm not taking any way, anything away from it being a slapper or a banger uh, energetically, because um, if you listen to it as it is, if you're not listening to it as a fast punk song, if you're listening mm-hmm. to it as a, as a musical song, yeah, then yes, it absolutely has all the power. Yeah. If you're listening to it as a you know a double time skate punk song, you're not right. going to get that treat. Yeah, you're not going to get that. <laughs> and I think, but you're gonna get you're gonna get all the power of a dogwood song. And I think that's actually what I loved about the song was that it really kind of. I mean, I mean, you guys did that a few times, especially on this record, where not necessarily slower songs, but like parts that really kind of stood out right like there's mm-hmm. you know parts where it's all it's just voices and an acoustic guitar kind of singing mm-hmm. an intro and stuff like that mm-hmm. but but this song i just think it felt like 
it, it just for me always felt so much more powerful because of that d- slight directional change not even huge but just like mm-hmm. taking the time to really let that guitar riff like just drive it drive itself home and it's it's a super melodic riff right like it's in it and when i picture it i'm like i think it's it's pretty simple again my guitar teacher couldn't figure it out but um <laughs> and then yeah when it gets to like um because i think it's the is it the bridge there's a part where it quiets down vocally the dynamics are just what gets me mm-hmm. on this song when i think about it i'm just looking at the oh yeah the part like the incomplete without one and some of the best lyrics like that stood out with me the the lyrics in that bridge i don't know necessarily what it's about and it, obviously you can fill that in but just like the sure. incomplete without want one is want is what i know that that i can't have like that lyric always like oh yeah want is what i know that i can't have like it's just so well put together the whole i don't know left alone, left alone to argue the only argument that i can win like God, <laughs> it's good stuff uh-huh. man and you you wrote the lyrics on this one yes i i did um thank you i appreciate that i i'm glad someone gets it because yeah. um, like i was saying earlier it's like not everyone gets not everyone gets it uh, uh with us it's like they want us to be something else and i think dogwood is almost always its own kind of sound right. or thing. Um, and that's because there was four individual band members and in, right. on each record. And I don't know, but like, as far as lyrically, I try to write very, <laughs> maybe I'm too poetic, if that makes sense. Like um, I, I try to write conversationally. Right. Um, and I still do. I still actually do from, from day one to, to day now. Yeah. Um, this song in particular, we're on tour for more than conquerors. And um, we were writing for Building a Better Me. And um, the reason I didn't pick Building a Better Me because it's the title track and like that's, you know, probably going to be most people's pick from this record. Mm-hmm. But um, this song I wrote for my, I wrote the lyrics for when my my now wife was then my then girlfriend. Yeah. And we were bro- we were broken up oh, and okay. we I, I had we had taken a split for like the whole like three months for the whole summer. Basically, yeah. I said, I'm not I don't want to talk to you like if, if we're not gonna make it the commitment to like move forward or get married let's just like you know not not do anything basically yeah. like i'm gonna yeah. go on tour and um if if this is kind of meant to be then we'll reconvene in october or whatever you know mm-hmm. um and we did that and it was like it was it was gnarly you know um we were on tour uh, uh we were that's when we were like really really touring and i was keeping a journal every day and I was writing lyrics every day and I Sean had this riff, like he was, he took a guitar in the van he was playing. He's like, Hey, what do you think about this song? You know, yeah. he's like, it's not going to be, it's not going to be fast. Yeah. It's like this riff. It's like, I was like, Whoa, that is, that's slow. Like, but I feel it. I feel you though. I feel you this song so much. Um, and I had, I wrote, I had some lyrics or poem or journal entries that was kind of like fitting to the emotion of what he was playing. Yeah. Um, and this was before we had even heard Jason play bass or Russell play drums on it. We were just, I was just, I wrote to what he wrote on an acoustic guitar yeah. in the van. And um, then he showed, then we together showed the guys and, uh, you know, Russell starts playing, you know, without a drum. So he starts playing along. He's like, I, and then we're all like, Oh, we can feel like, we can feel the, you know, the, the energy that the song is going to, you know, will have even at this tempo or at this, yeah. this kind of how it is. Um, and it was going to be our, our, you know, like more than conquerors had feel the burn. This was going to be a, a, that one for this record. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, I wrote, I wrote it in, and the idea is that um, we were broken up 
and I don't write, I don't write love songs. I don't write like, Oh, she's my girl and all this kind of right. stuff. Um, and you, you know that, but like, I don't, I'm not that writer, you know, yeah, there, yeah. there, there's a time and a place for that. There's bands for that, but I don't, I don't, I haven't really done that. And, um, this was my, this is my break from that. This is my, this is my first song about a girl actually hmm. out cool. of all my songs. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really, maybe, maybe that was all pent up girl energy that I put into it. I, I don't know, but like I wrote this song and um, we were broken up with the idea that the words were meant to be, if you listen to the words, um, the end of your world yeah. um, is closer than you think means I have a, I know that we're going to get married or, <laughs> and it, but if we don't either way, it's like, that's the end of our world together. Right. Sure. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the end of our single world is when we get married or the end of our world in together. general is if yeah. we not are not together at all so that's yeah. the course and um yeah so it, it all comes crashing down because you know either either it's come crashing down and, and like we're gonna be there's my son xander oh. <laughs> <laughs> um it all comes crashing down where it's either this or that yeah yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's the main that's the impetus behind that the lyrics on that such a good song. I'm just going to go listen to it now. We'll pause this. Thank we you. No. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to the next one, which is the one that you, I guess, outright picked maybe off this album, uh, Overexposed. Like an average American Watching violence on TV My life's just a rerun Don't turn the channel on me With memories of consciousness I wish to be free I change the channels first But the channels change on me With all I know and with all I've seen I'm so used to it you won't So used to it, you won't believe When my way out 
track ah, 12 from yeah. building okay so comes crashing was your pick yeah well you you had mentioned comes crashing and i was like i'm gonna okay. i'm gonna pick that one anyway and uh <laughs> So that that was the only one that I actually did pick because I was like, well, we could talk for a long time about dogwood, but we'll uh, we'll try to limit it because you had sent, I think, in total like there's maybe like ten different songs. One hundred songs. One hundred. You're just like I just sent the whole library, um, but yeah. So th- this song, who wrote the lyrics on this song? Overexposed. Yeah. Um, Sean started. And then I finished. Okay, because there again, this is this is another one where there's just like lines that I've always, always loved, and it's basically just the like the, my life's just a rerun. Don't turn the channel on me, and then uh, and, I, and there's my daughter. Oh hi, <laughs> Eden. So you've seen two of my three. There we go. Oh, you have um, three. There we go. I have three. Um, but yeah, the, the lyrics in this I just love the talking about like channel changing sort of stuff and all the the ties into TV. Right. But but why um. Why, why is this one the one that you picked off this record? Um, okay, so this one has to do with our Alaska tour. Okay, yeah. Um, Sean, Sean had written, Sean wrote the, the lyrics and some, I mean, Sean wrote the music and started with some lyrics. That's, that's, it's kind of how we did almost the whole record, Building Better mm-hmm. Me. He, he would start with an idea. Um, actually, on More Than Conquerors too, he, but, um, but in this song in particular, he, we were on tour going to Alaska with The Undecided shout out to all those Canadian Canadian dudes what's up yeah. um yeah and uh we would play this song on the tour actually we had the song done and written and played oh, wow. um I... for the tour we had because we were kind of we were playing maybe three or four songs from building a better me on that tour right um before the record um so Sean had it and I was like oh that's a really good analogy like what we, what you're saying in this song is a really good analogy for like just overconsumption and overexposure really mm-hmm. um to TV, to entertainment, to just zoning out, to just giving up on kind of just your day or your life or whatever. Um, and I even, again, to this day, I guess, looking back at my lyrics, I read a lot about like mental illness and mental health and mm. mental health awareness and stuff like that. Um, whether that's because of my upbringing or my, um, my family trauma or anything like that, mm. um, or just being knowing what I... I, I have always challenged the notion of just kind of church life. Um, yeah. I grow, I mean, don't get me wrong. I grew up in it and it, yeah. it can be, it can have its positives and it can have its negatives. And, um, I was always just questioning like, well, what, why this, what about this? And yeah. the church people don't always have answers for me that I, that I wanted. And, um, and I was always like, you know, I mean, just pick any song out of my catalog and yeah. um, it could cause an argument within somebody in the church. So um, this song in particular wasn't necessarily meant to cause any arguments, but I was asking the question or or speaking on what I just, you know, sometimes you just want to like be normal and just not, not care and not, not be social justice minded, not care about the poor. And, you know, do you just right. want to, like I said, with all I know and with all I've seen, you know, I'm so used to it. You, you don't like, it's just like, you see this over and over. Like, yeah. like when you say I'm so used to it, you won't believe that means you're numb to mm. all the shit that happens in the world in the name of religion, sometimes in the name of, you know, whatever. And it's like, Oh, I, I don't know what to do about that. And yeah. I can't change that. I can, I can be a person that, that is mind like-minded with, you know, whatever I was taught, but like, if not everyone in the church agrees on this stuff and how I, I, what, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I say, if I could break down these walls 
in the bridge that yeah. and the, and and to me this bridge is one of the most powerful bridges on the record um vocally and dynamically yeah there, there's some there's other moments of course in the record but like i picked this one i think because i and and again it's maybe it's introspective i'm self speaking if i could break down these walls um then what that it, i just said it um i just said if i could break down these walls and then i say walls again and then it, and then and then it goes into like a really cool i don't know if it's a solo or like octave kind of bridge part and then it stops and then it goes back into the chorus of yeah. start starting with me vocally um it, 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 i think for me it was more um i'm trying to think back that was this was like 22 years ago but um again uh oh my way out is not so far away how bad do you want to turn away from me? Have I failed you? It's very introspective. It's it's like, what was Sean saying with this? What was Josh right. meaning with this? So, um, yeah, it's going to make me go back and listen to the song too because I think I was having a moment of what is, and this was like, and this was like, you know, 99, 2000. So like, yeah. I'm trying to think of what was happening in the world then or the church or anything like that. But like, what was I questioning? And like, you know, who was I talking? Maybe it was all just talking about myself, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what do I know? What do I know about what I think I know? <laughs> right. You could ask yourself that now. <laughs> I know it, things haven't changed, but <laughs> yeah. What do I know? But or how can I be, you know, how can I build a better me? I mean, you know, like how, yeah. what's, what does it mean these days to just be a dad or a punk rocker or a, right. a, a church person or, you know, a chef or anything like that? Like, yeah. I don't want to be numb. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's fair. I, in, in, in having this conversation, that's for sure one of the things with this record in general, with Building a Better Me, is that I can remember sitting, I don't know that it was the first time I heard it, but at one point in time, I can remember sitting there <laughs> with the book in my, you know, the CD book in my hands, listening mm-hmm. to this and just going like, okay, lyrically, this is just, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to say this to just like pat your back in front of you, but lyrically, I think this was miles ahead of a lot of your contemporaries, like just in the tooth and nail scene, just in what you guys were, you know, kind of approaching topic wise and questioning and, you know, this sort of thing. And I don't know if like at the time, I don't know where you guys sat as far as, you know, age is concerned compared to some of those, you know, contemporaries that you had and, <laughs> Right. If you were younger and full of more piss and vinegar, or if you were older and a little wiser, <laughs> or what it was, right? Like, right. Um, but I, I do remember at one point in time looking, like sitting down and looking at the lyrics because, like, I can also remember this doesn't happen very often for me, but like taking note that I can remember looking at it one time and going, like, oh, wait, like the guy who's singing didn't necessarily write the lyrics. Like, there was something about, you know, like to, to all the songs, there was something about the lyrics that was catching my attention mm-hmm. at that time. And um, so it's interesting to, because, and maybe I can ask you this question, but I, I oftentimes wonder with some of the bands that were, you know, around at that time and not, not, not going to name any names or anything like that, but in that scene that I oftentimes wonder, okay, when they look back at some of these songs that they wrote, do they kind of like now go, uh, I don't know, you know, and obviously sometimes that yeah. can literally boil down to being high yeah. school students, right? Like, sure, sure. I mean, <laughs> um, no, I'm sure, I'm sure that but... we all do that to a certain degree. Like, I mean, even 
even if it's not are, are you talking about like like yeah, church kind of li- churchy kind of lyrics. I, th- I think a lot of the time, yeah, just like you know. Or even in, I mean, but even if it's not, even if it's a band who's not churchy, like I can think of any of my my friends' bands who like nobody likes their first record, you know, like hundred percent. I yeah. mean, it's like it's like you like it because it's your first record, but like if you listen to the lyrics, like what was they saying? Talking about like you know parties well, like, and yeah. girlfriends and stuff like that, and or Let's like. Say- and you know, I'm, I'm you're going sure. to hell or like, yeah. Kind of and stuff. I'm pretty sure I've heard even bands like Propagandy who have like looked back on some of their older, mm-hmm. earlier stuff. Oh yeah. And like, they don't oh. like their first record. Yeah. Yeah. But I am, yeah, I, it's just sometimes pops into my mind going like, I wonder if, you know, cause there's one thing to say like, oh, well times have kind of changed in, you know, maybe language that's, you know, acceptable to use in regards to certain things or whatever mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like someone going like, these were my, very much my like political or societal beliefs at that time that now Mm -hmm. I kind of, you know, flip it and go, uh, I don't necessarily believe or agree with that a hundred percent. Right. So, um, and I would like, does that, is, is that ever anything that kind of comes up with you or, or do you think like lyrically you kind of stayed pretty, pretty true you know maybe to who you are today or whatever i don't know if that makes I think, sense no i get i'm tracking with you i think um i think that since i started writing the songs in high school i'm going to be writing from that perspective mm-hmm. um because i wasn't like mature in high school i wasn't like you know i wasn't like reading you know theology books or political books or anything like right. that in high school like i mean besides high school stuff but um i was writing from what i knew Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff that I was writing about was, you know, family trauma experiences in the church. Um, but I was also writing about stuff that I was being taught at church and youth group and this kind of stuff um, with questions, of course, with rebellion in, in mind and punk rock nature. Um, but I was writing from I was trying to write from a standpoint of, like I said, conversationally speaking, because I was because I was friends with I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't a church kid in high school that was anti everybody else i was more i was friends with everybody i was the i was fun guy i was you know not fun guy like a mushroom i was a fun person (laughs) (laughs) um i was i was friends with everybody be everybody because um i didn't really have a good home life in high school so i was seeking you know uh friendship not necessarily seeking popularity but i was seek i just wanted to have fun Mm-hmm. wanted to have a good time. And so that's kind of why maybe why I got recruited into the band in the first place. But I was writing about I was writing about stuff that I had experienced in the church or in relationships or people in our band were writing about stuff that they had experienced in the church or in relationships. Yeah. And that that could maybe come across to some people without if they didn't know me or my history as um stuff that's overly overly zealous or overly religious. But if, if I really wanted to explain each song to, to you, if you had a question about it, not you, but yeah, a yeah. person, uh, people, cause people have questions, questioned our lyrics and stuff like that, um, as being, you know, too, too Christian or like, you're not on the right side of, um, this topic or whatever. It's like, yeah. I'm like, well, if you really wanted to know, you could ask me what I meant by that. Yeah. I would tell you, because like I said earlier, I'm sometimes too poetic in my lyrics or sure. o- yeah. overly, overly emotionally poetic. And I'm, and I'm talking about, I mean, even going back to a song, an album on Through Thick and Thin, I, I have a song, you know, I forget the actual, who am I to say who deserves well. I'm talking about, it's the conversation about me talking to somebody who is not in the church and he, that person's asking me questions about this and that in the church. And I'm trying to explain 
why why I go to church and why I'm in this relationship in church right. um, that you're not you're my friend and I don't want you to go to hell the church is telling you that you're going to go to hell but yeah. I'm not saying that I want to be your friend <laughs> because I love you and yeah. I'm not saying that you're going to go to hell and I don't want you to and I don't know how do, how can we work this out how can we be friends if we don't believe the same thing yeah, I yeah. want to be your friend yeah. um, that's just one song example and mm. I try to have those conversations in all my songs so it's like people didn't always get that i mean they still don't i've heard us being reviewed on other podcasts and they they're like what did, what the heck is he saying i'm like well if i had a chance to explain it all but then right. i'd have to explain like 10,000 hours of lyrics you know yeah you're also like i was <laughs> so, in high school at the time it's, <laughs> you no know, even now it's up to oh, interpretation yeah. it's yeah. art it's like up to interpretation and if it doesn't come across the right way i'm i can't really apologize for that but like yeah. i'm not saying you are going to hell i'm trying to say here's what we're experiencing together and yeah. I, I want, you know, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But, um, what, what were we talking about? <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to talk about the, the next album sort of, and by sort of, I mean, okay. So we're going to talk about the song abandoned. Which is track, David. which is track ten <laughs> off. This is not a new album, released okay. in two thousand one, and then I put sort of because correct, uh, correct. Okay, so before we get into the song, explain the story behind this record because <laughs> I, I mean, as a fan of the band, I was confused at the time. Like, obviously, the title says this is not a new album, but I'm like, what the heck? And so, I mean, yeah. I've kind of read a little bit, but I'll let you explain it. We did it. We confused yeah, yeah. you. Um, well. This is, it's actually, it's a short story, but it's also a really long story because before we were on Tooth and Nail, we were, we were getting courted for majors, major labels. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a manager who was trying so hard to make us the next big thing um, uh, on, on Warner Electric, Warner Electro Atlantic Group. Right. Um, Wea. Um, Wea. <laughs> Wea. Um, and so me, 
being the DIY punk rock rebel kid, you know, questioning everything. I was like, I was always trying to thwart his efforts of doing that, but I would go along with it, you know? So we, we basically recorded a bunch of demos and we're, it was, it was like basically a toss of a coin to get on the, get on Atlantic and be the next big thing based, you know, cause he was, he was like super homies with the president of the label. And, mm -hmm. um, and we don't, I don't really talk about this that much because I don't necessarily regret it, but I, you know, Anyway, it was a weird, it was a really weird situation with him and, and the band, but we basically the Atlantic guy came down to the studio and was trying to push these songs on us to write for the label. Like preschool days, for example, is on that record. Mm -hmm. um, and it, if you notice, it's like three minutes and 30 seconds in right. it's radio length. Right. Right. Um, the, at the time that was the radio length for yeah song, you know, hit songs or whatever. Cause that was supposed to be like, you know, the break song or whatever. So, um, so we did that for that record and, you know, some other stuff. And I, they, they had like cover songs that they, it was stupid too on their part. They said, here's some songs that we want you to do for the, for the record, for the, for the major release. And um, there I'm like, what are these songs? Whatever. It was songs that were already written and lyrics yeah. done. Um, oh, it's a band that we shelved. <laughs> you, you, you can you're going to do their songs we want you to do their songs and let's you know take out some of the religious overtones of your songs so i'm like <laughs> oh my gosh you're changing me it's the it's the total like cliche yeah, yeah. story movie story of a, the punk rock band that goes major or whatever um but even before we started right yeah so so i was already not feeling that i was you know money aside i was just not feeling that vibe of the changing me so mm -hmm. i don't want to play somebody else's songs because it wasn't even a cover it was like they had written these songs for us yeah it was like and they were already they <laughs> these are songs that had already been recorded and never put out oh man by anybody because they were shelved um because it was a major label decision to just stop yeah and i was like that sounds like something that that could just happen to us too you know yeah, yeah. so 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 we went we got rid of the manager just decided to record this album on our own. So it was Dogwood self-titled mm -hmm. before this, you know, we changed it to, this is not a new album. So it was self-titled. We did it. Like we got studio time overnight for like a couple of weeks. That's so, if you, <laughs> if you listen to this record, uh, my voice is very raspy and right. more hard, <laughs> hardcore sounding. It doesn't sound, I don't know, good or bad. I don't know. It's just like a different is, this sounds like a different person almost yeah. to me. Um, uh, and we had two guitar players, Jace and Sean were both in the band uh, as guitar. So you can hear a lot of a lot of different like octave slides and guitar duos and stuff like that. Um, Russell did not drum on this record. Uh, he was out at the time. He was he left the band, went on tour with P.O.D. as their drum per tech and value pack. You know, did all these drumming and teching for other bands. Um, so we had Joe uh, Sadoti, and then we recorded it, put it out on our own, and then it just kind of. Um, we we toured on it and stuff like that. So and then it sat. Uh, that was the record we put out right before we got signed to the nail. And then, um, yeah. So then, but like I said, I don't know if I said this in this episode, but Face Down was started by Jason from NIV, Noisy Victim, yeah. right? Um, so and then he he grew up in that church I was talking about, the music church mm -hmm. where everybody was, and he was there. And I know I've known him since he was a wee lad. Uh, a young and I was friends with his older brother too. Um, and then uh, I was like, he's like, what about your independent record? Do you want to do that? I was like, or you want to put that on FaceTime? I was like, yeah, sure. 
you know, because hmm. Dogwood, I always wanted to be a little more hardcore than we were, whatever. Yeah. And I thought that was at the time Face Down was like pretty good. They had a hardcore punk and hardcore cred and all this kind of stuff. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll just, you know, I'll just, there's no no money involved. Just give it to you. And then he's like, oh, you know, uh, let's do a new co- new um, artwork. And so we used our graphic designer that was doing all our merch to just make a layout. And I said, I just wanted people to know that this is not a new album. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name. And it was an homage. That's an homage to Fugazi. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. this is not a Fugazi t-shirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is not Fugazi merchandise. So, um, I thought it'd be funny. So he just did whatever layout he wanted and then sent it in Jason's lecture. And then, but we were, but we were signing, let's see, he put it out, I think right after maybe more than conquerors or something. Okay, we, were, yeah. we were, we were on the label. So tooth and nail, we had to take off, we had to take off the two songs that were on tooth and nail. Right. Um, I think but yeah, so those, so it never die and suffer not on the face down record. Right. Yeah. That's why. Um, so I, so Jason's like, yeah, I'll still do it. Yeah. So he, so they totally put it out. So we have a record on face down Yeah, and it's our title slash. Like, how do you approach tooth and nail with that being like, Oh, by the way, can we just like <laughs> release this on a different label and tooth and nails? Not just like, well, how about we release it? You know, like that's, um, it's, it seems, it I seems think, a little bonkers to me. <laughs> I know. I think I, <laughs> if memory serves correct, I think at the time, um, tooth and nail maybe had, just started or solid state had been around for one or two years right. and i think tooth and nail had a, had you know they knew who face down records was because face down mm-hmm. was doing all, all the you know it's hardcore it's pretty hardcore stuff yeah. um and uh so they knew who they were and i told them that we were super homies and um i think we just said we were going to do it and then right. didn't <laughs> ask and then he's like okay well after a while it was finally like okay, fine. Um, you just can't put those two songs on better right. on nail. Cause we didn't, you know, we didn't have any kind of publishing deal with face down or anything like that. It's just like, mm-hmm. we're, I, I said, Hey, well, I mean, I was talking to Bill, not Brandon. I was like, Hey, I mean, we just want to give it, we just want to do it with them. Cause that's our, that's our friends. And I mean, unless, I mean, do you, do you want to put out this record? I think there was, maybe they just didn't have interest or I don't right. totally know the back details. It's like maybe they, you know, it's not, it's not as good i guess production wise you know in the in, in a major i'm um, not major but like in tooth and nails eyes as because it's not slick it's not like yeah. you know like big budget or anything like that it's sure. like it's very raw it's very definitely like i said like more rough and hardcore sounding than uh as anything you'd see us do on tooth and nail that's for so sure. so why the song abandoned like why is that one that stands out to you i think it went back to what i was saying about <clears throat> always uh thinking about other people's experiences and conversations that I was having. Mm-hmm. And I was, I would often give a voice to, you know, all going back all the way to 17 year old, Josh giving voice to somebody else who was going through something like a girl who was raped. I would sing a song about it and give her voice into the lyrics or right. a girl who had an abortion. And I would sing a song about it and put her voice into the lyrics. Um, um, not her singing, but like I was trying to sing from a different perspective. Of, yeah, so it's yeah. not just my cisgender male white voice singing these, yeah. all these things about the church or whatever. It's like I'm singing for these other people who mm-hmm. don't, who have a voice, but are not always allowed to share it in the same way I am. Or yeah. So this person, because I have heard in the church, I mean, I grew up, I grew up Catholic before we started going to this other church um, that 
I don't remember who told me or whatever, if it's official law, but like suicide is a sin or something yeah. like that. You know, like yeah. suicide is not looked up, you know, not looked very friendly upon. Right. I mean, of course, nobody wants to talk about well, it or I was deal with say, it. But. I, re- I remember specifically, I didn't grow up in the Catholic church, but maybe it came from there too. But I can remember specifically hearing that, you know, if you commit suicide, you're going to hell. Like there's no if, ands or buts about it. Right. Like, um, yeah. And I thought that was such, that's just utter bullshit. Like, right. Because if, if I have a friend in high school who commits suicide, where does that leave me as a kid going, who goes to church? Who do I get to ask about? You know, cause yeah. there's no really no answers. And then yeah. at the time, mental health and mental illness was not as big of a hot button as it is now. 100%, um, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't, cool to talk about it was more like shh we don't talk about that or mm-hmm. we don't know about that we don't have answers for that um and so this song is about suicide it's about somebody who wants to commit suicide it's about somebody who basically goes through with the whole task and um they're basically abandoned by the church hmm. that's what the freaking song is all about and and i was singing this and also i took advantage of kind of being independent i was writing about whatever i wanted to write about yeah um no 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 bible bookstore you know, um, yep. bashing, you know, um, saying we can't sing of this or that or say that. And I was like, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you didn't need to include little like liner note things that were like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I talked yeah. about that with, with Jonathan uh, Ford. Oh, I'm sure. Side about yeah. how they had to include that in some of their albums, right? Like, this oh, is what this song, yeah, yeah, this is what this song's about. But And he's, which, it's just, I was trying to be smart with my lyrics and also speak to people in the, speak directly to people like myself uh, in the church who had the same questions I had, but weren't allowed to talk about it Mm -hmm. for some reason, or, you know, maybe I was given this gift from, you know, God or whoever is like, I got a microphone and a a pen and a paper. I was able to say these things and then get them on record. And now, you know, people could have a, people could share an experience with maybe someone who has passed away or, I mean, who has committed suicide. And, uh, and I've, I think I said this on a, another podcast, but like, uh, oh, it's me and you. I said, news, uh, news flash, people who go to church are humans. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, people who go to church are also humans. It's, it's the same as people who don't go to church. Yeah. And so I was experiencing all the same garbage that you, uh, uh, that you're not, that, you know, some people may think you're not supposed to experience this stuff because you go to church and you can't, everything's all la-di-da because you're a Christian or whatever. It's like, uh, actually it's just about the same, except you have some hope, you know, um, it to some degree, if I'm, and I'm talking about, I'm coming from a place of trauma. When I say that I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm coming from a place of darkness. Um, and so someone who wants to commit suicide, but they're also happen to be a Christian. What then? Oh my gosh. Somebody who does drugs, but also they're a Christian. Ooh, what's, what are we going to do? Or somebody who your parents got divorced, but they're Christian what are you, are you even saved, bro? You know, like (laughs) that was such a, all these things were such like stupid, like conversations that people were, you would see literally people at my high school condemning other people for messing up or yeah, even, I mean, like I said, drugs, drinking, that's a high school thing, sex before marriage, like all this stuff that you get taught about in high school youth group, but they don't tell you how to deal with it if it happens. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying that any, I'm not condemning youth pastors or anything like that, but it's like, we don't give enough talking time to things like mental health, to things like questions about 
depression and anxiety and suicide and suicidality rates in teens. Um, what if it happens to someone in the youth group? Then what? Mm-hmm. You know, here's a song about it. Um, please come talk to me about this because I know if I'm looking at 10 people out there, somebody has thought about it. Yeah. So yeah. I sang about it. I know that two out of four people out there, their parents are divorced and here's a song about it. Mm-hmm. So that was my whole thing. It was not, we're not, we weren't like preaching on a pedestal. It was more like, this is stuff that's happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. and here's a song about it, you know? So there's well, other bands out there that are fun party bands and stuff like that. Like, that's great. Do your yeah. thing. I'm going to sing about this lame stuff that no one wants to talk about. <laughs> it going like jumping back one album. I don't off the top of my head. I don't remember the song, but on building a better me, there was always a lyric that stood out, which I think kind of, ties this all together in a sense is um oh what was the the lyric was like a circle has no open sides mm-hmm. and like that always stuck with me and then i, I think it, i'm pretty sure it's in the same song like the the hook in the song you say everyone belongs uh sort of thing right and um oh that's two it, different ones. are they two different songs same that, similar topic similar yeah. topic yeah and it was just something that always kind of stood out to me because there was a time like looking at the 90s and the early 2000s or whatever where i just felt like in the church i was, I grew up in the church i did feel like a lot of times it's like why why are we making you know other people's struggles such big things for us to like take um either to take the burden on ourselves to be like i'm gonna save you quote unquote or you know to like abandon them as this song points out right like uh-huh. yeah. uh, it's so it's just it's just like that lyric on building a better me always kind of stood out to me in that regard but the circle uh, yeah. yeah yeah russell it's, wrote that one he wrote oh, that right lyric for, yeah, yeah so i was like that's really that's really smart yeah um, yeah because we suck sometimes we suck at and i don't know if he was writing it in the sense that like digging into like the church being that or like more like we need to include people because yeah we don't we don't sometimes the church or mm-hmm. i mean humans humans yeah. But the church in particular, who mans doesn't do, we don't we don't do a good job of including people, and and this is not a message about inclusivity, but it's more yeah. like, but it but it can be because yeah. if my kids d- decide that you know are going to go through something, I want to include them in my in my love and stuff like yeah. that. You know, no yeah. matter what they do or wh- who they love or anything like that. And, you know, that's a whole other topic of, of whatever. But like at the time when we were writing, it's more like, oh there's a bunch of people in the, maybe even in this youth group or whatever that are clicking up, you know, like, you know, clicks yeah. and we're not including everyone. And and I felt like that myself at church. Like I'm not, I don't feel included because I don't say the right prayers or wear right. the right clothes. And, yeah. you know, and I've definitely seen people come into a, con- a concert setting and, and get neglected or anything like that. So yeah. it's, mm. it's sad and it, and it happens, if, you know, so we try to be aware of that, you know? Yeah. That's great. Um, next song that you picked is Nothing Is Everything. Is it the wisest choice we made?
which is the second track from Matt Aragon, also released in 2001. So, I mean, that the last one, this is not a new album, not technically released in 2001. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Um, so, I mean, big, big year for the band, dropping two full-length records in one year. 16 that's, records. Yeah, um. that's incredible. Um, yeah. Now, so for me, this is where it's funny because... And I think I'm pretty sure we talked about not not you and I, but when Aaron and I talked about, you know, the band back a few years ago, this is where we both had kind of like fallen off from the band a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I guess that 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 happened a lot. That's so, fair. 2001, that was like, yeah, right as I was kind of like moving on to, as I was mentioning before, like getting into maybe some heavier stuff and whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. But why? What? What is it about this song that makes it stand out for you? Okay, so More Than Conquerors, the producer was Nick Raskulenix. Mm-hmm. Building a Better Me, the producer was Stefan Edgerton from yep. The Descendants. Yep. This album was Ryan Green from you know right. Fat Records fame and a bunch of other stuff before that too. Like yeah. Megadeth and all this crazy stuff, right? Um, he, like I said earlier, I was produced. Like He, he really did a good job on me. Um, making me or giving me ideas of a thing i was already singing the song and he'd be like what if you did this part here right and then in the beginning and at the end there's like different parts that um i didn't have as part of the song he, okay, he's yeah. like he heard he heard us do it i recorded the song and he's like try this right and then like you know is it the wisest tr-? and then like or at the end when he's like no no like all those things the before and after the song yeah. are totally totally ryan's touch Hmm. Um, on the totally Ryan's thumbprint on that song in particular. Right. I mean, he was all over that record. He did it like that's him and Sean and, and we were all there like doing the stuff. It was like a great time uh, as the band. Um, I understand what you're saying about people falling off, kind of starting maybe around there is because that record is, it's still skate punky, but yeah. it's still, we're still, we're experimenting, I think with, with different song textures. Right. Um, like this song in particular is another groover. You know, it's another Groover Washington. Um, <laughs> the, uh, is it the one? Yeah. So it's totally like bass driven. Um, I think Jason played the bass. Jason played Flea's bass on this one. Oh, that's cool. Um, the modulus um, on this, this song, maybe a couple songs on this record. And um, Ryan... I think Ryan loved this song actually. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't it, it wasn't one of the punk songs on the record, right? Right. Yeah. And um it's our it's our again, we had those those breathers, those right? Breathers, yeah. Um and then this was at the time um oh, what sparked me to write this? That was this was this is a song about political unrest, but this is written in nine this was written in two thousand, two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember what it was all sparking it, but I was like, people are still arguing in the church or even without the church about the same issues that we've been arguing about since I was a little kid. Um, I mean, even to this day, 20 years later, but whatever. But at 2001, (laughs) I was like, you guys are making decisions for people who you're never going to meet. I'm talking about say the powers that be talking to a poor person like me or my family. Like you are saying all these things, uh, making rules and decisions I mean, even like bishops or higher ups in the church or the board of your church, like they are making decisions that are going to affect the lowest level person in the organization. Mm -hmm. And nothing is everything means like it doesn't mean anything to them 
what you do on a daily, what I do on a daily basis as a person in San Diego, California, this, these powers in Washington or these powers at the Vatican or anything like that. It's like all these decisions that, or you could even say big business corporations, they're making decisions that are going to affect everybody, but like without really thinking about that effect. Does that make sense? Like, I was, I think I was saying like, you know, is it, you know, uh, I forget what the line (laughs) is in there, but there's, there's a certain word, uh, uh, what were their last words? It's all downhill from here. Some, I was saying, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was saying, like, um, this one will be the last one that you trust. It's because, like, some people, and ugh, this is crazy that's still happening today, but some people put all of their faith and trust and everything into leadership, whether yep. it's a pastor or a teacher mm-hmm. or a coach or a president or anybody higher up than them, and a televangelist, like, they, they put all this whatever into them and then you'll you'll be let down you're always Mm -hmm. let down or even a parent for god's sake sometimes you put so much into somebody else higher up than you you know i mean i people get let down by they say they get let down by their god or you know their whoever whatever religion they are they get let down by the stuff it's like well yeah i mean i don't know you can't it can't be perfect all the time but in the song i said like um well it's all downhill from here it's like is it time to is it time to throw in the towel, give up, blah, blah, blah. It's all downhill. This one will be the last one you can trust. Um yeah, I just think that um so is it the wisest choice you made is more like it's not necessarily just about voting. You could take it in a number of ways, but like um that part in particular, I really like the way that Ryan built that dynamic with us. Um right. uh, everyone played so rad on that part, like when it comes back in, and then it's like everyone's just bashing in on their instruments and stuff like that. And Ryan got me to reach, reach a new level of emotion with my yelling and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just, I think the moment in time on that song and on that record was just meaningful because again, it was one of those realizations about myself, my own journey in, in faith and in the world and stuff like that. It's like things aren't changing and we keep, we, we keep making the same steps towards this, whatever, is it progress? Is it like, you know, what are we going for? What are we doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we're not, and we're not getting the help that we want or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, crazy. I, I, crazy. Say, I feel a lot of that. Like you said, there's still, still, still in the same place. It feels, you know, in life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe that's just the way it's always been. And, <laughs> you know, and as we go through things and get right. older, you just start feeling like, how are we still here? But it's just always maybe been that way. I don't know. But yeah. I would say like sonically, this album reminds me a fair bit of building a better me. Like, um, but yeah, it was just like, I, and anytime I've put it on now, I guess like, that's something with music for me in a lot of instances where if I didn't get into it, you know, at a certain point in time, getting into it later, you kind of like experience it differently, I suppose. Right. Like yeah. when I, when building a better me came out, cause I want to say I was, yeah. Cause I would have seen you on tour for more than conquerors. So like it was an album that I was anticipating and when it came out, I like devoured it. Right. Mm-hmm. And when this one came out, I don't remember it coming out, right? Like, I mean, obviously I remember it, but I don't remember it being where I was like, oh, I got to go get it. But yeah. so as I've, as I've listened to it later in life, I've been like, 
I don't understand why I didn't get into this album because it's not like it was like you know you guys took off for a few years and then released an <laughs> album. You know, it's literally it's literally the next year from when uh, yeah. Building a Better Me. I mean, I guess maybe a year and a half because I think was Building a Better Me early in the year in two thousand. Um, no, it I says it, October yeah. 2000. It came out in October 2000. Yeah, so it's then, not even a year later. <laughs> Jeez. Right, yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Wow, you guys were just on a roll. Um, <laughs> so it's it's funny, but as I come back to it as as a grown-ass man, um, I mm-hmm. uh, I definitely find myself enjoying it. And it, it is one of those ones where I go, why, why wasn't this one that, you know, I ever got into? But yeah. I suppose... Yeah. Who with, knows? Who knows? I suppose knows? with the next one, because there was such such a long time between records and by that more, i mean more than nine months <laughs> yeah by that i mean like a year and a half maybe maybe uh-huh. i just thought you guys weren't around anymore but uh maybe the, yeah the next song we're going to talk about is your tongue is the deadliest of arrows <laughs> Shut it for 
track seven from Seismic, released in, like I said, 2003. Um, mm. But January of 2003. So not just just over a year later. We go what from September of, yeah, <laughs> September of 2001 to January of 2003. You guys were just on a roll. Wow. Um, but it's funny because with this record, mm-hmm. I don't think I knew it existed until like streaming services which ah. blows my mind because okay. like was it it was was it on tooth and nail as well it is yeah so i do, i don't know how maybe it was just like you know at this time was i just not going to like christian bookstores as much but i can remember buying like i want to say catch for us the foxes by me without you came out around this time didn't it like that's i feel like yeah the music year. scene is definitely changing at this time like under oath you know was, yeah had, had changed from metal to you know whatever new not new metal but whatever they are right you know um there was a scene change um and like you said you didn't even know it was on to the hell what yeah the, like and you're 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 not the first person to say that right and um like i don't know why that is um we'll never know actually to be honest here's a funny story is um building a better me just came out on apple music like a few yeah, months I know. ago. I know. I, I literally actually celebrated that day um, because <laughs> I, so I, I, I use Apple music and I was annoyed for the longest time because no, people were was, telling me, I was like, what? I don't know. I didn't know yeah. that. And I was telling tooth nail a bunch of times. I was like, so, so finally it just finally clicked. And now and, building a better me is on. So to your point, there were some things I wouldn't say they didn't give us as much attention or whatever, but like maybe we did get lost in the shuffle a tiny bit after, yeah. you know, I don't know. Who knows? But it's funny because like, so like building a better me though, would you say like, and I don't know if you know numbers on sales or anything, but would that have been one of your more successful records building a better me? Um, it probably was because I think that one got some MTV play. Right. Um, and other, other video. I mean, so, cause we did a video and then, yeah. I mean, it probably, it probably was the more, you know, I don't know. It's just funny it, to me that like, the, I think it was the time too. I think the time. Yeah. For whatever reason, that one wasn't on. Like, because I think so. When I first, the first like streaming service I signed up for, I think was RDO, if that's how you want to say it. I don't yeah, know. I remember it was, that one. It was eventually yeah. bought out by Spotify. And then when, so when it got by, bought by Spotify, that's when I was like, well, I might as well switch to Apple Music now because, you know, on an iPhone or whatever. And, and then, yeah, it was one of the ones where I was like, dang, it's not on here. That sucks. Mm. So for like when we did that Dogwood episode, you know, a couple of years ago or whatever, I remember to listen to it. Uh, I was listening on my like free Spotify subscription. So, uh, you know, I'd be listening yeah. to building a better me and there'd be random like commercials in it. But, um, yeah, but I mean, we're, we're talking about seismic, but, uh, yeah. So what, I guess what was, what, why mm-hmm. did this song stand out for you? I, I also kind of want to talk about like where the band was at this time. And if you felt like, yeah, you know, it was where you let down a little bit by it, but, um, but yeah, so let's go, let's go with the song first. Why did this one make your list? This song, um, I I love the sound of this song. It's very, it's very, well, for one thing, the, the title is, um, was supposed to be the title track. I think I read that, yeah. I This was going to be the title of the record. Um, for some reason or another, it got, you know, in label talk or whatever, you know, they it was too long or something like that. Um, uh, Ryan Clark, uh, um, who was asked, you know, designing all the cover art for all the bands. Shout out to uh, 
Ryan, he's awesome. But um, mm-hmm. he had a he had a, another layout. Um, it's pretty pretty cool layout, honestly, for the uh, for the other title, and 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 then it changed to seismic. Maybe just the vibe of the I don't know. I don't know why it changed, but like everything changed, right. and, <laughs> and I was pretty bummed about that. I don't, nothing wrong. I don't mean I don't. I'm not against the title seismic or anything like that. But for some reason, it, maybe it was too long. I don't remember. But I thought it'd be a rad title for um, "Your Tongue Is the Deadliest of Arrows," which is a you know I stole directly from something that Jesus told somebody. Yeah. You know, um, and I thought that was so hardcore and sick. Like <laughs> you know, like oh my gosh, like wow, um, dang! I can't even like I need to write a song just based on that. So I did. Right. And um, um, then. So Sean, our guitar player, had left after Matt Aragon. Mm-hmm. We got Danny Montoya, and he joined the band. And so this record is a collaborative writing effort of, of everybody of writing music, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we recorded it at Big Fish, which is where like Blink did a lot of their records and in San Diego, and it was owned by this big music mogul in San Diego. Um, cool studio. Sean actually produced the record, and then it was mixed, mixed by Ryan Green. At motor studios so like we had like kind of all hands working on the record uh all you know everybody kind of doing it but the songs were written by jason and danny for the most part um and so they are both like guitar wizards right like they do right. jason our bass player is a guitar wizard um and so they write like weird like dissonant chords and like you know weird tunings and super dark sounding i don't know how to describe it in musical terms Danny would probably be better at this, but like, it's like that song, this song in particular sounds like, um, uh, I guess the, the art of drowning era, AFI kind of okay, style, yeah. um, darker, gothy, gothier punk, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then it, and it has, you know, a lot of Danny's octaves in there too, in, in the song itself when I'm singing the verse and Russ is doing this like flam thing all over the drum kit. Like, so it's not skate punk again. It's more yeah. like this, this record as a whole is mostly like groove oriented punk. We're older, wiser. <laughs> um, yeah. So like <laughs> I've heard, I've heard people say um, maybe people like yourself, they didn't, they never visited this album. They revisited it now in their older age and they're like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Or like, yeah, yeah. I, I can relate more to the lyrics. You know, I'm writing about a lot of, again, on this record in particular, I wrote a, a lot about darker topics yeah. on, unspeakable topics within the context of <laughs> of the christian realm like you know what do you do with somebody who's on drugs and there's what do you do with somebody who's addicted to heroin but they're going to church like oh my gosh what are we gonna right. do with them no they're humans take care of them you know yeah um or i'm a human take care of me um so this song in particular is about you know how we as humans speak to each other and our tongue can be the deadliest of arrows we can we right. could literally kill somebody with our words like if you're if you're higher up you, you say kill and somebody goes and kills or mm-hmm. you know you say vote for this person then you go vote for this person or hey to excommunicate that person from the church and then next thing you know that person's out of here and i don't know all this stuff we have so much power with our tongue with our words um and i said um even the very first word i said possessed by the pawn you know like yeah. just we're, we're the pawn you know <laughs> right yeah um and then we a secret smile is like you know, it's, it's very like, if this makes sense, like David Lynchian, um, I was thinking mm. like, <laughs> I was thinking of like this kind of, you know, a, a creepy dystopian future where like the church, the church, it, the church rules the world in a sense, but in a very non good way, 
Right. It's more like, yeah, yeah. Uh, not to bring out all the ne- the negative stuff about how we were raised, but like, you know, the, it, it could the church could be so good, and yeah. that there's all, but there's all these problems. And and don't get me wrong, like I, the church has done great things for in my life, and and still continues to. But like I see so much opportunity, let's say, right. to, to do to do better, yeah, and um, yeah. I think that to wrap up that I guess that song feeling in particular, it's more like. Um, I am guilty of it too, is like our words have so much effect on people, even stuff like even saying it from an immature 17 year old dogwood standpoint. And I'm, I'm saying this, this, and this about a song, people like get so offended by my lyrics or my words because it's either too, too much Christianity or not enough. Right. And you've heard that before from people like, you know, me without you or Zayo or whatever. Yeah. Under oath. It's like, we can't, we can't win. We can't win with everybody. I can't be, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be another punk band on tooth and nail. You know, I don't want to be those. They have their own, they have their niche. They have their place and people love MXPX and slick and all those bands. Those are my homies. Yeah. I'm going to say these things that I want to say, and they don't have to say it. I am going to say it and I'll take the, I'll take the wrath for it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like I said, way in the beginning, we're, we were not for everybody and, and not everybody gets it, but the people who get it, like I, I appreciate that. And people who don't, who want to ask about it, I appreciate that even more, mm. you know? Yeah. I think for the longest time with this record, when I first saw it, like on streaming services, I still didn't listen to it because there's like that country band or whatever that's called Dogwood or oh, like yeah. a bluegrass yeah. band or something like <laughs> they've come up and I was like, cause I didn't recognize it at all. Right. So I was like, Oh, right. it's probably just theirs. And I think one time I finally clicked on it. I was like, Oh wait, no, no, no. This is, this is Dogwood. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh it's 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 interesting to me to like hear you say a lot of these things because I mean you were you were thinking these things obviously back in 2003 or 2002 whenever you wrote it or whatever and obviously mm-hmm. you know with songs you mentioned before so even even dating further back and so it's it's interesting me to me to hear these things now because I mean those were similar things that I was thinking about at that time as well and mm-hmm. you know I went I went to a church where it was funny because um, I had a pastor who I went to a smaller church and he was he was afraid to like offend me which was kind of like this good thing because you know it probably kept me from just like getting too crazy or whatever but i remember like i'd get up on stage at church and i'd wear like shirts that said or like a shirt that said shit happens things get wet and it was like a water park t-shirt and like you know like a staff t-shirt and then i had a hat that said it was like this trucker hat that said have you ever seen a chicken shit and it was a chicken sitting on a toilet right like just these things that i was like it was funny because i grew up in this church that was very much you know specifically that pastor was like no no i i want to you know quote unquote, take care of you or however you want to word that. Right. But at the same point, like seeing all of very different church experiences for different people. Mm-hmm. And so always having this like thought, like, but why, you know, when you see how the church has approached specific things and, yeah. um, and sometimes that question is more than just, but why it's, but like, how, how did you get there? Not even necessarily why, but how did you get to that place? And, um, and it, and it's very much like something that I have been again thinking a lot about as an adult, right? Like in coming from a different place where there were probably times where I did like as a kid because you're growing up and it go, well, yeah, no, this is the way that they're saying at this church, so this is the way it has to be. And then also, you know, being on this other side, being like, 
oh, but why? You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, so to hear, to hear you talk about these things and just realizing like, yeah, like that was probably one of the things that really stood out to me. And again, I didn't, this, this album, I didn't listen to until I was an adult, but that really stood out was just your willingness to kind of question that because there were a lot of bands that were, whether they were writing about, you know, just like, you know, the typical like high school, you know, this, I like this girl love songs, whatever, or, uh, and then some of them, you know, kind of went down the more like Sunday school church kind of route with, you know, some of their song topics. And then you guys were definitely more, I think, it appears and so because I won't lie, there were some of the songs where I'm like, I don't really know what this is about. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I like yeah. it. You know, but so too was, deep. It was too deep. <laughs> yeah, but but not necessarily right. Like there is, I I did feel like I had to think a little bit more in listening to Dogwood versus you know some of the, some of the contemporaries, right? But um, and and I think that's appreciative, and and that's maybe why you know I mentioned earlier, like as an adult, like I'll still kind of go back to those records on a semi-regular basis. Right. And just be like, okay, mm. no, this still holds up for me, you know? So that's pretty cool. And, and, and hearing you talk about these, like the songs off Matt Aragon and seismic, I'm like, I really need to go and listen <laughs> to those more. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. see kind of, you know, where you were then and, and, and give them a bit more of a, a spin, but um, I'll forever remember the first time I put this one on going, Oh, this isn't that, that folk country band or whatever that yeah. confused me. Cause I think they like released something. It was like 2013 or something. And I was like, Whoa, dogwood still together. Click on it. Nope. That's not them. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, but, um, but yeah, man, no, this was, this was a lot of fun. I, uh, I appreciate kind of getting to see and hear some of the insight into, into these songs. It was, it was a good Thanks. time. Yeah, it was a good time. For, it was fun to, to reminisce and talk about it. Um, obviously we did, you know, a few more songs after seismic and yeah. other comps and stuff like that. So those are fun also because, um, I was like, Oh yeah, let's no record obligations or anything like that. Let's just, I'm just going to sing about whatever I want. And I was still kind of doing the same thing, like questioning and answering and, yeah. you know, and still doing it to this day. So like, I think it was, it's fun to talk about the, the, the journey and the process of being a 17 year old to now being, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, a grown ass man and, <laughs> you know, um, now writing from the perspective of the dad and, and yeah. talking, talking to kids about these things, you know, like, what am I going to tell my kids about these things uh, or yeah. the things that I'm writing about? It's like, you know, now I write songs for my kids and, you know, um, how they have to deal with the, the world and yeah. the church at large and their relationship with, you know, how they talk to God and yeah. their peers and all this stuff. So like, it's, it's coming full circle again too, because my daughter is 17 now. So right. it's crazy. Cause I was 17. So yeah, man, she's going to start her own punk band. <laughs> I hope so. Good. Yeah. yeah let's yeah. do it. Let's go. <laughs> I got some, I got some songs I didn't release. Yeah. Yeah, okay. like, I'm singing. I'm singing. I'm <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm going to pass the torch again. So yeah, that's, that's good. That's awesome. But I appreciate being on this show because you know, you've had, you've had some good guests on talking about their songs. So it's good to hear. Um, it's good to hear them say things and then, uh, I guess, I guess talking about your songs is more like, oh yeah, maybe what was I trying to say? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, so like it's when you ask me, well, when you ask me to pick songs and I'm like, okay, what's the one that's like meaningful to me, at least for this conversation, you know, because like, yeah. yeah. we have a lot of songs. Yeah. We have, we do have a lot of songs. And so it was a semi challenge to pick, like to nail down a few, mm-hmm. you know, nice. a, a handful as it were. You did great. <laughs> oh, hey, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Yeah.